the opportunity that we're creating can help a lot of people who really don't have access to tools and don't have the money to get started. And we believe that entrepreneurship is a human right or should be, right? I think everybody should be able to just go online if they have a phone or, or you know, or technology in their hand, they should be able to turn that into a way to produce an income for themselves, no matter what their situation is. Welcome to Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group. And to everyone listening, Happy New Year. Today's show is a little bit different. Our regular co-hosts, they're all on holiday, uh, relaxing, probably having, hopefully, eaten too much, drank too much, had a good time with families like everyone around the world. But we've still got two interviews for you. I'm talking to Indiana Gregg from We Do and then Kat Wildman from the Global Equality Collective. We'll be back with our regular shows very soon, but hopefully these are two interviews looking ahead to 2022 uh, and both with a really important mission in their own right. Uh, so do listen, hope you enjoy them and yeah, have a wonderful, happy new year when it comes to it in a few days time. So I'm chatting to Indy. Uh, Indy, is it? Let's get this right because it is Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you you prefer to be called Indy? Um, I don't have a preference, just as long as you don't call me a bitch. I'm okay. <laughs> well, certainly not at this time of year, the season <laughs> of goodwill. Uh, but Indy Gregg, uh, CEO, co-founder, we do? Yep, that's right. I'm the CEO, founder, we do. Um, and uh, we're on a mission to help a bunch of people uh, in the new year. So I'm hoping that um, our season's greetings that we have uh, in this festive season prolong for many years to come. Before anything else, how, how do you intend to help people? What what does we do do? Um, we are a communications and banking tool. So basically you can take in-stream payments um, in video and audio calls, share screen, um, share information, sell products and services. So we're a drop-in audio and video, but on the back end, we're also a banking service. So people can manage their and automate their invoices and take payments and send and receive money in 26 different currencies and do a lot of cool stuff. So the idea is really to to um, remove the barrier to entry and, and create a, a fairer playing field for everyone so we don't charge any upfront fees. Um, you can access the application, use it, schedule your calendar, and it, it's pretty powerful. Um, and I think it's going to relieve a lot of stress for people who are wanting to start a side hustle or, you know, become a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, a freelancer, and hire those people as well. So, that's so it's, it's kind of it's kind of business. It's kind of like a fintech business banking solution. Yeah, it's fintech, fintech business banking, but it's also kind of um, – I guess you could call it social media in a way. It allows people to do drop-in video and audio and take payments in real time. And, and for us, it's more of a solution for the gig economy. A lot of people are spending time on social media and they're moving people around from space to space. So you might onboard someone, then you do a Zoom call, and then you have to take a PayPal payment. And all these kind of things are so disjointed. So the idea is to streamline that as an end-to-end -end tool that anyone who wants to earn their living online or, or even offline if you sell physical products can do so very easily and generate invoices seamlessly. Whereabouts are you from originally? Um, I'm from the Midwest. I was born in Indiana, hence my name. Um, my family moved to Florida uh, shortly afterwards in the last 30 years I've been in Europe. So You're based in Spain, right? I'm in Spain right now. Um, kind of, I'm really based in Glasgow, uh, but, you know, weather, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can, yeah. I can I can imagine Spain is a little bit 
more pleasant. I mean, I'm in Kent, so I'm not anywhere near Scotland, and and this morning it's about minus three. So yeah, yeah, but it's probably not torrential like in Glasgow, so it's fine. <laughs> where, where did the idea come from? Because because where the states are concerned, we tend to sometimes think of the states being a little bit behind Europe when it comes to kind of financial uh, technology solutions, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been in Europe for 30 years, so I moved over here in 1990-something. Um, but uh, yeah, so the idea really came from, I had been a freelancer for about six years. I was in between projects and startups. Um and it occurred to me that a lot of these uh, freelance sites were taking like 20% of the each client that you, you know, up, on the first $500 of each client that you'd serve. And I thought, you know, this is unsustainable. If we're giving away 20% of our income, that means we're going to raise our prices. That means across the board, the trajectory for freelance, the, you know, global freelance economy by 2027, 52% of the workforce is likely to be consultant freelancer, right? So that's a huge chunk uh, of society, and that J curve is going straight up. And, and we're also facing, you know, the automation that's making jobs less and less um, prevalent in the market. And so with it being a $4 trillion market, I thought, you know, that's just rubbish if people are giving away 20% of their income. And, and you know, it's 10% on the first $10,000 you make per client on a lot of these sites, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the fibers, the upworks, the freelancers, the, you know, people per hour. Um, and it's just wrong, you know, because a freelancer works really hard. They don't have a steady income. A lot of times they go from client to client. They're, um, you know, they're paying taxes anyway. And for someone to take that big of a chunk just for delivering, you know, a bit of a marketplace seems unfair. Plus you pay to play. I mean, you pay a monthly subscription to go fish for your clients on those sites. And then they hold your money for like 10 days. And then they have the audacity to charge you money to deposit your money after they've held it into your bank account. And I'm like, this is just wrong, you know? So mm. I'm kind of a, you know, I've always been a kind of a, a Robin Hood. I think that what we need in society right now was such a big gap. Uh, between the haves and have nots, you know, we don't have a middle ground anymore that causes friction. And if we don't do something about it through technology, because governments are doing nothing with, about it, like they're trying, but it's just not a machine that is very fluid. And I think if more and more companies can think about how you bridge those gaps and create opportunity for more people to help more people help more people, then then you're, you know, then you're going to create a better society in general. And I think it's really important right now with that disparity happening that we as technologists build things that are geared towards helping those people. Out of interest, how do you get the word out on something like this? Um, because <laughs> I'm talking to you, Dave, David, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, that's, that's one, that's one thing. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's, I do, I do a bit of freelance work and I use one of said, um, uh, platforms that holds your money and then charges you to deposit it. Mm -hmm. So I am familiar with that. Uh, yeah. You know, but I'll be perfectly honest. Before I stumbled across we do, I I'd not heard of the accounts. So sorry of the, of the platforms. So getting word out to a, a community of people that are all working in different markets. You know, because the gig economy by its very nature, it's not we 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 put an umbrella around it, but it's lots of different sectors in different markets, and and people who are tech savvy, some people who aren't tech savvy, as you said, yes, some people are online, but some people are offline. That's an incredibly difficult customer base to try and capture. Well, right now we're going primarily for coaches and coaches of coaches and high profile, um, you know, 
put people who who work within the gig economy and and hopefully if they love the application and see how easy it is to use it they'll tell more people um obviously we'll be running marketing campaigns through a lot of pr and doing a lot of um podcasts and video casts and 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 things like that and you know getting the word out is just you've got to scream loud and let people know you're out there um, and then you know the, the the end result is you know you don't you create products that help people and solves a problem for people and that's when the market accepts you so we're working really hard to uh, do a ton of user testing and get feedback from our customers because you know the customer is is king and and it's it's important to create something that is meaningful in someone's life a tool that just seems like it's so easy to use that you know they they can't they can't live without it and that's that's the goal you know that we're trying to achieve here yeah absolutely i mean look you were at web summit in, in november so getting on for two months ago yeah. um what was what was the purpose of going to something like that because a lot a lot of of scale-ups and, and new tech businesses or companies that are trying to grow go to something like that maybe they're looking for investment I, I sometimes think that's that's maybe not the best use of time because yeah. um unfortunately the investors have, have got their own particular agenda but you you kind of were very much walking the floor and getting around the conference what did you kind of get out of that as a, as a as a founder of a young business well first of all um our team is remote and distributed so it was a great location for us all to get together and meet each other um and that was really important but we were highly targeted. So we went to um, to visit companies that we can collaborate with uh, that we knew that would be there, that would probably be receptive to working with us. And so we were really focused on our strategic partnerships, especially in LATAM and uh, the Middle East and Asia, um, where we're, mm. we're looking to do our banking as a service deals um, in those, you know, those parts of the world. Because um, we're right now we're covering the U.S., the U.K., and Europe, and we want to move into India and Latam and and you know and and, and further afield uh, with the product because we believe that um, the opportunity that we're creating can help a lot of people who really don't have access to tools and don't have the money to get started. And we believe that entrepreneurship is a human right or should be right. I think everybody should be able to just go online if they have a phone or or you know or technology in their hand they should be able to turn that into a way to produce an income for themselves no matter what their situation is so we really were targeting um companies in at web summit and such is such is such a big it's so huge it's so overwhelming that we really pinpointed it each each one of us had meetings all day long every day the whole time and it came out pretty cool for us uh, we met a lot of cool people <laughs> you know it's interesting if the pandemic's done one thing, it's obviously that it's bred organisations where where companies have kind of ex have accepted that their their staff are disparate. Yeah. If anyone was ever looking for an idea about how to evolve a conference, um, the idea the the idea that it's a place for those companies to convalesce and come together. You're not the only one. Four or five different companies said exactly the same thing. They weren't really going for the speakers. They were going because it was an excuse to get together and see what other people were doing in the market. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and also uh, collaboration is going to be huge going forward. Um, we are very remote in our in our habits and our work habits since COVID. But even beforehand, those trends were already starting. Um, and you can hire the very best of the very best if you don't limit yourself to a geolocation. And I think um, there are so many tools out there that allow you to do that and do that effectively and even doing business deals effectively through, you know, video and audio calls. Um, 
it's it's going to be an amazing uh, it's going to have amazing impact on on mobility for people i think mm. in the future well look we are between christmas and new year i mean we're recording just before christmas for, for the sake of transparency so i will say <laughs> i hope that you have a merry christmas but we're between christmas and new year when this goes out uh, and switching off is important uh we ran a poll um on twitter over the weekend um out of interest what's the best way to switch off in your opinion oh read a book a book yeah you know what so it's sam who runs our social media he did he put music and podcasts exercise tv and movies and other on there books wasn't even an option and and, and i've just seen that and i think i'd agree with you yeah although music music and books in, in my mind kind of goes hand in hand absolutely fit the headphones on and get that crack open a real live book a book book like ikea says you know book book yeah, yeah. and a, not a fake book but a book book yeah <laughs> <laughs> one that has like paper <laughs> in it and print yeah um for me that's one of the most relaxing things uh, to do is just to sit chill out read let your mind you know engage with and, something else yeah and i know there's lots of posts out there about you know business books and whatever else and and i support uh some of them and they're, they're great but for God's sake, there's there's a place in time, and right now the the place in time is for fiction. <laughs> and a, and a bit of a, don't don't switch off by reading about work. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people who um, have started. There's quite a few authors now who've started writing business books at, in in a style that's fiction. Like, all right, you know, okay, yeah. And then so it feels <clears throat> like you're in the story, and they even have like you know not 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 quite as bombastic say as a Harry Potter book or a science fiction fantasy, but you know there there are there are a lot of books out there now that are business books where they tell a story of an entrepreneur and going through the you know so it's kind of creative way to, a creative spin on business books for the people who think it's cheating to wind down, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough. Maybe it's the time of year, but exercise didn't do particularly well in the poll. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> one other thing that we asked was, what do people think is going to be the next big thing in 2022? Um, so the options that we gave people were the metaverse, optimized hybrid working, advanced health tech, and net zero transportation. Um Again, I'm, I'm going to ask Sam where, where he got those particular suggestions from. But um, the metaverse is obviously talked about a lot. Hybrid working talking has, has been talked about a lot. Health tech, yeah, stands to reason. Any of those you would you would plump for? I think the net, I think the metaverse might take a little longer than 2022 to to really popularize itself. Uh, but you know, I think there's a lot of investment in things like decentraland and people buying, you know, real estate and billboards and in uh, metaverse yeah. land and things like that. So it's definitely something to watch. Definitely, hybrid workspaces are going to be huge. Uh, you know, more remote employment of team members, more flexibility on where you work, when you work, how you work. I think the future of work is really rapidly changing, and this coming year is going to kind of define that. And it really is going to have a lot to do with you know, what, what happens with this, um, Omicron virus and, and other mm. strains that come across as well. Uh, you know, my view is that we'll, we'll be moving a little bit more into VR, um, and AR, uh, it'll be become more prevalent by the end of next year. People will be buying each other Google, Google goggles for Christmas as more and more applications are integrating those things. So, yeah, I agree. Um, advanced health tech, well, yeah, I mean, it's already pretty advanced. I don't know how much more biometric you can get. Um, I think Apple's kind of, you know, really working on that as well. And they're collaborating with a lot of the major sport, sporting companies, you know, Nike and all, all sorts. So I think we're going to get a lot more advanced uh, biotechnology 
uh, in terms of exercise and fitness, whether or not people care or they'll keep their habits. I don't know. I mean, I'm still going to drink some wine and, you know, try try not to exercise too much, but, you know, <laughs> walk the dogs. <laughs> it's funny, like I, I'm a massive geek and I, I loved Ready Player One, the book rather than the film so much, to be perfectly honest. But I sometimes kind of think, well, you know, it's still science fiction. It's still some way off. But listening to you there, the advertising, the real estate beast, the, the, the bit where that comes kind of comes together with what I would love. I could really see myself putting on a pair of VR, uh, putting on a VR headset and sitting in a sports stadium. Because I live the other end of the country from the yeah. town I grew up in. Yeah. I'd love to have the experience of going to the match. And people used to love sitting next to the same people and watching the match. Yeah. And I'm, I'm obviously like friends are all over the country. If I could sit next to my mates who are also from the same town who support the same club and have a shared experience of kind of sitting next to each other in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you've got all of the advertising or whatever else. That is something I would jump in for two feet. Yeah, I know. There are also um, wonderful technologies that came out last couple of years that are becoming more and more advanced uh, in the music uh, music and entertainment for for auditoriums and and, and things where uh, you really feel the you feel the sound and AR VR can really enhance that experience as yeah. well. So I'm all for you, especially if they're you know if we have this thing where you can't go to a football ma- match because of, of COVID. Uh, yeah, those kind of experiences and the advancement of that is going to be crucial in the future. You know, you you kind of have to imagine we've gone through a, a virus. Uh, you know that although you know hundreds of thousands of people have died in the last few years it's not as aggressive as as some of the viruses that could have uh become no things. <laughs> so we, we, we've been a little bit lo- lucky knock on wood you know <laughs> i mean let's face it gate receipts if, if football clubs are wondering about how they monetize and kind of uh make sure that they continue to kind of grow commercially as ever they do. Not that they necessarily should, but one, one way, you know, in the same way that theaters can sell virtual tickets, perhaps yeah. you only have, you may only have 40,000 seats in a stadium, but you could, you could sell a million virtual tickets to the match. Yeah. Um, sure. And it's, yeah. it's, it's that kind of potential that I think is really interesting where I, I would imagine that it will be the Real Madrid's or the Barcelona's of the world who will drive that kind of idea forward. Yeah, and they they certainly have the fan fan base to prove that model out as well, and I think yeah. a lot of people would love that. You know, um, you know, getting a box seat and being up there with the, you know the the rest of the guys in in the special areas and stuff at, at the clubs. You know, like a now what is the name? Now is the name of the Barcelona uh, stadium. That's just an, that's oh, yeah, an yeah. event. Just going to to the club and checking out the the, the yeah. stadium. You know, um, but yeah, I think. I think there's going to be a lot uh, over the next 10 years in um, holographic technology as well. You know, we are already doing before prior to the pandemic um, virtual concerts and virtual auditoriums where um, holographs were performing on stage and you would, you know, but they were like a thousand miles away, you know? So I think that we're going to see more and more of that. And I think that I, you know, with, we do one of the things that we want to do in the future is actually bring that into people's, homes so that you can actually have face-to-face meetings with holographically but feel like there's a physical presence between you that way you can read someone's body language in real time so i think that's going to be technology that you know we're we're really keeping our eyes on um, for the future yeah absolutely well look, it's, it's been a pleasure to speak to you today um if anyone listening does think hang on a minute i'm a freelancer i don't like those platforms how would they best find out about we do and uh, download the app 
um, go reserve your username right now. We're taking on, we've got 6,000 people in the wait list. We're bringing like around 150 people on right now at each week and we'll speed that up come the new year. So um, yeah, go download. We do on Android or iOS and check us out. Get we today is our website. And that's us. Perfect. <laughs> well, look, given where you are, Feliz Navidad. And I don't know Happy New Year in Spanish, so I won't bother them. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're fine. Happy New Year. English works for me, too. (laughs) Thanks for your time, Indy. Thanks a lot, Dave. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. So I'm chatting to Kat. Kat, you're the co-founder of the Global Equality Collective. If anyone's listened to the show for a long time, they'll be maybe familiar with you. They might have heard you on before. But thanks for for making some time to have a conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're about to go ice skating? Yes. It's all about the Christmas activities this year, although a lot of them were booked up. But ice skating, you've got to do a bit of Christmas ice skating, haven't you? Is it the National Natural History Museum one in London? Or Somerset House, maybe? Or... No, we did go to Winter Wonderland yesterday, but decided not to go ice skating there just because we've also got a three-year-old who would have no tolerance for waiting around. Right. We're going local. We're going in Wendover. Ah, very nice. Well, I hope it's lovely. Uh, We won't keep you too long. Uh, Very quickly, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Global Equality Collective? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been about six days since I've done my pasta, so I've probably forgotten it in my relaxation. (laughs) Uh, So the Global Equality Collective is a platform, a digital platform and a collective of amazing human beings who all care about and are subject matter experts in one way or another on all areas of diversity, equality and inclusion. And the platform houses a framework that we researched and wrote over three years in collaboration with said collective, all about how to find and close all of your diversity, equality and inclusion gaps in schools and also businesses. And it, it launched officially over the course of the last year, right? Yes, we built it over. Oh my gosh, what a what a journey! We built it. We got our seed funding in March two thousand and twenty. Built it over the summer mm-hmm. and launched September twenty twenty. George Floyd was murdered in the summer just before we launched, and the first version was pulling out and examining gender in particular because. The narrative at the time and the zeitgeist was all about close your gender pay gap today. And it was all about gender and women in STEM and women in tech. And at that time, um, I didn't feel like I had the right to be able to talk about race and ethnicity. But then working with our collective, after that happened, I realized that not only did I have, I mean, did I have the right? I don't know. That remains to be seen. It's a great debate to be had. But I definitely had the responsibility to use what we had created, the platform, all of that research, 
could be extrapolated out so easily to encompass not just race and ethnicity, but all the protected characteristics on the Equalities Act. So we just mm. collaborated really hard with our collective over the next six months and redid the whole thing to be all diversity and inclusion. So disability, LGBTQ+, gender identity, race and ethnicity, religion, age. Um, so now it covers the whole lot. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You say, do I or did I have the right to talk about race and ethnicity? Do I have the right to talk about gender? That's a great, it's a great question. I would say, yes, we all have the right to be able to talk about whatever we want to talk about and need to talk about, um, because it's, it's on, uh, that's part of what we believe in. Everyone has the right to be able to say what they feel, what they think. And our opinion at the GEC is that this whole you know, problem with inequality is never going to be solved unless we create cultures of conversation and debate. And I think at the moment, you know, cancel culture and and all of this fear around, oh gosh, I don't know whether I'm going to say that because I don't want to say the wrong thing and cause offence. I think it's stifling progress, uh, to be honest. So I don't know whether right is the right turn of phrase, but we definitely all have the responsibility to join the conversation, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we put out a couple of polls um, about what people thought were going to be the next big things in 2022, uh, and one of them was one of the one of the ones that came out top was optimized hybrid working. Um, then there was advanced health tech, and then then the metaverse. Both hybrid working and the metaverse, I guess, are wonderful examples of technology which could have huge benefit, but if not thought through, could be really. Um, well, hurtful, harmful to to progress where it comes to uh, to inclusion, right? Yeah, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, I think both of those examples. If you don't have a diverse group of people working on the solutions, you're just going to build in huge amounts of imbalance and and bias <clears throat> into the system before it's even before it even exists, <clears throat> and it will just grow from there in unequal in an unequal way. And the same with the same with hybrid working. If you don't take into account everybody's needs and have them all represented, not in a we'll consult with you kind of a way, but in a, you know, we're in charge of this kind of a way, it, it needs to be created from the outset by a really diverse group of people who can take into account everybody's needs and speak for those groups who need that stuff. Is that on organisations or is that on Zoom and Teams and you know, the, the, the providers of the various platforms that we're using now to, to work. Whose is the responsibility? I think it's on the organ I mean it's on the organizations. Technology is an enabler. Um, mm. but then if you're talking about the metaverse, oh, it gets all complicated, doesn't it? I love this sort of thing. I think that next year organizations are at risk of having their minds completely blown again just like they were with dni they looked at it they looked at it too much and too hard and they saw how big the problem was and how small they were in in terms of a solution a tiny little cog in the machine and they got totally repelled and they ran a mile and just were really supportive and that was and we're gonna end up facing this problem again if people don't you know take command of the situation and go we are an organization we have the autonomy and the agency to be able to make our own decisions we will create our own hybrid working or our own version of the metaverse and here's how we're going to do it but crucially it's the why and if there's one thing that I would say organizations need to focus on it's why they want to do this it's not just because it's you know what everyone's talking about because it's been hailed as the next big thing it's because it will what what will it do 
what how will it help your organization how will it help your employees what will the benefits be and look obviously you're in that position where you're going in and talking to different groups some organizations when you pose that to them do they have they considered that question they might they probably won't have the answer yet but have they even kind of thought about it that way yeah so uh, an interesting thing that's come out over the last year of doing this is that the organizations that tend to come to us and become members of, of us are the ones that have their why sorted out they already get it they understand the why and because we are a really deep solution so if you come and you go through our process you will find gaps for absolute sure there is not a company that we've gone th- that has gone through our process no matter how outstanding they are who has not found some gaps um, and so it tends to be, and my co-founder and I were discussing this the other day, it tends to be the really serious ones who are really genuinely serious about making a change who come to us. The ones that I pitch to who, who are like, mm, do you know what, not yet, or we're doing something else. They're, my hypothesis is they're not quite ready to find their data because, you've, you, like, you know, the date, the questions go deep and you do find gaps and they're not, I don't think they're ready for that yet or they want to benchmark themselves or they want to win an award and that's not what we're about we're about real change so uh, we're a bit of an unfair example in that our organizations know their why already and that they they can articulate it really well well look it's the festive season uh we're coming up to 2022 you you fundraised in 2020 you launched in 2021 what's your new year's resolution as a co-founder for 2022 um <laughs> So um, me and my co-founder actually talked about this. At the end of the year, we had our summing up chat and uh, we decided that mine, I'm, I was going to focus on the two Ps. I was going to focus on partnerships and packages. Um, so using our amazing collective who do all sorts of different things, training, speaking, consulting, you know, you name it, um, creating really amazing, exciting, enticing packages for our members and new members. Um and partnerships, so partnering up with really cool organizations who do really cool stuff and just seeing what we can do together because we've got loads of ideas. And, and I think that it's all about, well, we're all about collaboration and being a collective. So that's our plan, the two Ps. Well, look, I don't want to keep you from the ice drink for too long, but if someone is interested in partnering or, or wants to find out a bit more, how would they go about it? So they could go to thegec.org. Um, or they could email me cat at the gc.org and I'd be absolutely over the moon to be able to talk you through and take you through a, a tour of our beautiful platform. Well, look, thanks for giving up your time and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. My pleasure. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year.